0: The reading this morning is taken from luke and it's chapter 9 verse 18 to 27.
1: reading from luke 9 18. once when jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him he asked them who do the crowds say i am they replied some say john the baptist others say elijah and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them then not to tell this to anyone, and he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels i tell you the truth some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of god good
0: let's pray and uh, we'll look at god's word father we thank you for your word again lord and we pray that as we listen to it our hearts may be touched our consciences may be uh, awakened our um, trust in you, Lord, may um, grow, and our dedication to you, Lord, may expand, and we pray this in your great name. Amen. Good, we are working our way through Luke's gospel, and uh, we are now at the critical change that is going to start to happen. Uh, This is the heart of the message of the of of uh, for us i think in application up until now it's been a little bit difficult i know it's stuff that uh, really talks about how jesus presented himself to the people of his time Uh, he was engaging and interacting with them Uh, now the message is starting to become a little bit easier for us to understand i take it because he's zooming in more on us as human beings rather than declaring who he is as the messiah and how what kind of a messiah he's going to be so the interesting thing is, I put down there right at the top, uh, who will believe the message? Uh, we all know that, uh, interesting when you talk about believing messages, we often even say to people, if something sounds too good to be true, it often is. And it seems like Jesus has taken that very seriously, because he's now going to tell us something we don't want to hear. So it seems like if it sounds too good to be true, it often is. It seems like Jesus is saying, okay, let me tell you it as bad as I possibly can, because it is true. Does it make sense? It's as if Jesus is saying, now that you know who I am, that you have come to understand, and he's talking you about the disciples, obviously. Remember, he spoke to his disciples. He was with them privately. He's been prepping them the last couple of chapters in, in Lucas. Lucas put the message together so that they will get it because he's going to go away, um, and he is now going to tell us how he's going to go away and how the kingdom is going to come, and specifically for us, what will be the impact for us as we um, listen for them and for all human beings but what is fascinating that if you want to have some time to spend jot down just quickly isaiah 49 and isaiah 50 uh, 52 12 to the end of 53 Um, one of the major things in isaiah is that god is saying i am going to intervene for my people Um, and normally uh, that is very hopeful And it is hopeful, but the way in which he does it is very weird, and that's what Isaiah is all about. Often it says, I will do something, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, but it's going to be so different from what you expect that you will not actually be able to hear it when you hear it. And it's as if this section in Luke specifically, the one we're looking at today, really highlights that whole reality. That the Messiah, the way that God's anointed, glorious king is going to bring about change in this world is going to be absolutely not what you expect, not what you want to hear almost. Um, And that's really what he's looking at uh, this morning. So this morning's passage is very, very condensed. So I hope you've brought some water and some ice and to just dilute it a little bit because it is jam packed. It is really, really, really very tightly squeezed together Uh, To understand this, to unpack this, will probably take you your entire life. So don't feel you have to understand everything I'm saying today, because neither do I understand everything that I'm saying today. The full impact of what he's saying here is really quite amazing. And the road that he is on and the road that he calls us to follow him um, is very, very, very uh, intense in one sense, uh, and yet incredibly hopeful. But it doesn't sound like it when you read it carefully. Um, it doesn't sound like good news in the beginning. So, here they've just discovered it's been 400 years since a prophet has spoken to Israel, Malachi, saying God is going to do something new. The Messiah is going to come. John the Baptist have arrived. Jesus has arrived. They finally discovered Jesus is the Christ. Wow! God's great promise, right through the Old Testament, is finally going into fulfillment. Here's the Christ. Here is the king of God's kingdom standing right in front of you. In verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Now, can you believe it? Here the Messiah, who's come to change the world, says, now that you've recognized me, please don't tell anybody. Because you are not ready to understand what I'm saying and what the implications are going to be. So I'm going to have to take you and I'm going to explain this very gently for you. And really from now on until the end of Luke's gospel, that is really what Jesus in one sense is doing. He's saying, I'm explaining to you how my kingdom will come and what are the implications for anyone who wants to follow me. And that's really what he's doing. So if you look at the section, it's very tightly squeezed together. So verse 22 explains verse 21. Verse 21. And he said to them, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So the reason I'm telling you not to tell anybody yet is because this must first take place. I need to establish the kingdom, but it's in a complete reversal from what you would normally expect the king to establish his kingdom. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be cast out. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me, and then I'm going to be raised to life. So you have to kind of do that. Verse 23 really is the heart for us. These are all the imperatives on verse 23. Up until then, they are all the indicatives. These are the kinds of things that are going to happen, But this is how you should respond if you want to be a follower of this Christ, of me. Verse 23. Verse 24 starts with the word for. I'm just giving you a quick overview of the passage. Verse 25 actually also starts with the word for. And verse 26 starts with the word for. So each one of those verses explains further why is he saying what he's saying in verse 23, verse 24. Why is he saying what he says in Verse 24. 25. Why is he saying what 25? Does to make sense? So You've got to be a little bit of um, grammar. You know that's why you do grammar at school? So you can read the Bible properly. So really condensed, jam-packed, right in the middle, verse 23, is really the implications for us. The others are the explanations for why those are the commands, why they are the imperatives um, in the passage. So since my kingdom is going to come first suffering, then Glory, all right. What are the implications for anyone who says, I identify you as God's Messiah? That's what he's really trying to do. So, verse 22, suffering, and verse 26, glory. I'm coming now, I have come, and I've come to suffer and to die and to be rejected. And I'll be raised. And then there will be an interim period. And then I am going to come in the glory of my Father and of the early angels. And on that day, everyone who has heard about me and has followed me will be rewarded by me. Okay? So you've got to see the big picture. All right? He really gives us the entire scope of the program of the Messiah in these verses. I'm going to live. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise. Then there will be an interim period where disciples will be made. And then I will come in the glory of the Father and the angels. And on that day only will all the rewards be handed out for whoever followed me during this interim period. Does it make sense? All right, you've got that. So let's quick have a look. So suffering now, glory then. There are many Christs out there that tries and reverse that. You can have glory now, they preach. Jesus says, no, 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 suffering now. Glory then. Suffering in this life, glory then. What kind of suffering is he talking about? He's talking about being in pain, suffering, all of those things. Look at what he says in verse 23. So here he comes and he says, if you want to be my disciple. Now, this is very, very important to pick this up. Do you notice Jesus does not demand anyone to be his disciple? He says, anyone who wishes, actually anyone who has a desire to act on what he desires, that's really what the word means. Who wants to be my disciple and want to follow me these are the three basic things that you are going to be busy with your life until i come in glory first one he says deny yourself second take up the cross and the third one follow me now there are not three things there are three elements of one thing and that is what it is to be a disciple A disciple of Jesus Christ, a disciple of this Jesus Christ, this Christ, is actually committed to these three aspects, which are really one aspect. That is to start by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and follow Jesus, almost like repent and believe. It's just a slightly different variation of that. Repent means to change your mind, and then to change your behavior, and then to follow something else. That's what repentance means. So I change my mind, I change my behavior, and I follow. I trust something else than myself. That is really what he's talking about. So he's just giving us in, in in a way of three things. But note very carefully that verse 23 says, you must deny yourself. He does not say you must deny yourself something. He's not talking about your necessities or your luxuries. Per se. He's talking about you. Your attitude to the things you've got to deny. It is you you have to deny. It's your right to rule your life, your way, that you have to deny. But that's what you must do. I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do that. I'm telling you, if you want to be my disciple, you can only do that if you... Say no to your right to rule your life. You do not determine what is valuable and how you should have it and what you should have. You should give up that right. Now, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? That's a heavy thing. Deny yourself, the, 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 the self. And that can go all sorts of directions. I mean, really, that's why I'm saying, I mean, I could spend the rest of our lives together expounding that one aspect. What does it mean to deny yourself? Really complicated thing, isn't it? When does Ludwig come into its own in terms of anything? My marriage. How does Ludwig affect marriage? I want marriage to be the way I want marriage to be. And Jesus says, no, 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 give up that right to be the one who determines how it should be. You must renounce. Actually, it says, the, renounce is a terrible word. It says, distance yourself. Ignore the you in you. That's hectic, isn't it? Ignore the you in anything. Now, we played about around a little bit yesterday with this. It's really, really, really amazing. Jesus is not saying, for instance, do not love love. Do not love respect. But be careful that you think you have a right to love and respect you see how complicated this gets it's good to love but be careful that you determine how you should get it and if anybody doesn't give it to me the way i want i will put my nose out of joint and everybody else will know about this because i determine what that word means and how that word works see what he's saying it's not denying love not denying respect not denying stuff It's denying your relationship and your right that you think you have to that stuff. Now, that's an incredible thing. It's going to explain to us just now why, so just hang five. Secondly, you need to pick up your cross, which really just simply means I have made an inner change. I have made an inner assessment about my own rights, and I've given them up. And now I pick up my cross, the cross beam, and I now publicly condemn myself. That's what you do when you pick up your cross. When somebody picked up a cross, he was condemned, and he was on his way to death. But he was forced to carry that. Jesus says, you pick up your own cross and condemn yourself publicly. I will no longer live for myself, by myself, for myself. I will have that internal change in me, and then I will publicly display that. I am not living for myself, by myself, through myself, for myself. That's quite amazing, isn't it? Picking up your cross is a public declaration of an inner change of attitude towards the self. That's what he's saying you should do. I'm not forcing you to pick up your cross. I'm telling you, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to have the right attitude towards the sinful self. When We probably call it the eye of sin. You know, sin, S-I-N. What's in the middle? Me, I, the I of sin, I must change my heart about, I must renounce it, I must publicly be able and prepared to declare it, and then I must follow Jesus, because that's what it takes to follow Jesus, trust him, trust his death, trust his resurrection, trust his spirit, trust his way of living, I should act like him, and I should react like him. Now, that gets really complicated, isn't it? So when somebody insults you, how do you react? Well, like Jesus, how's that? Don't return the insult. doesn't mean the insult's right. He just says you don't return it in a selfish, self-protective way. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be acknowledged. I don't have to be accepted. I don't have to get my way. That's really what Jesus is saying. Well, that's hectic, guys. (laughs) That's an incredible call. But you do it, he says. I am not forcing you to do it. Neither should we force one another to do it. The question is, whose disciple, whose learner are you? Who is the one you are following? That's what Jesus is saying. If you want to, whoever wants to be. He's opening it up, isn't it? He's throwing it out there. Whoever wants to be a disciple, this is the attitude you should have to yourself. I don't believe and trust myself i don't live for myself i'm not the arbiter of what is right and good and true so i renounce that reality i make it public and i follow christ now it takes a lifetime to work that out but there's the essence of what it means to be a disciple of what it means to follow the lord jesus christ verse 24 tells us why that is so for Whoever wants to save their life or whoever wants to save their soul will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. So there's the ground reason. The word save means simply to move from a place of lack to abundance or of fear to comfort or of danger to safety. That's what the word save means. So when you want to save yourself, and we all want to save ourselves, does not it? I mean, you, you want more, not less, do you? I want more comfort, more hope, more security, more life. That's what I want. And I want it based on my and the word you really use the word soul. Fascinating that he uses the word soul here. The soul is that complicated reality. That we as human beings have been given life by god and we are individually aware of us being alive and wanting to live that's what your soul is your soul is your awareness that you're alive and that you're an individual and that you want to live however else you want to live that's your soul we all want to have our souls secure known accepted and he says if you are living for yourself if you're trying to bring your soul to a place of life of flourishing Or of safety or of abundance if you are living by yourself for yourself you will lose it in other words you will destroy yourself the word lose there means fully destroyed and not ceasing to exist but meaning not fully functioning as it ought to function because you're going to live forever you either live forever having been shaped by the Lord Jesus Christ to have a soul that will have the life of God, the image bearer of God, or you'll be shaped by yourself and you'll end up in hell, not functioning as a soul made by God and God's image because you have determined your own reality. So it's quite (laughs) shocking, isn't it? It's quite serious what he's saying. This is the wrestle that he's actually highlighting. The reality is if you are trying to actually secure your own life you will lose it you will destroy yourself the flip side if you now undo yourself destroy yourself for my sake you will actually gain your life because there is no other one who can give you life but me i am the messiah i am the picture of what it means to be human in the image of god and I'm going to give my life to you, and I'm going to die for your sin, and I'm going to be raised for your life. So you need to come to me. See what he's saying? So it's quite uh, tense, isn't it? It's 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 meaty. Every person wants to live. If you are going to live by yourself for yourself, you will un do yourself says Jesus that's why I've come I want to save you from your greatest enemy and that is you your perspective your value system your desires I want to give you better life I want to give you the life of God himself that's what I'm after so you have to decide to undo yourself as you follow me then you will actually save yourself. So here you've got a choice, isn't it? Jesus says, here's an option. There's something available for you. Life is available for you. You can take it or you can leave it. You have to make that decision. But this is the reality, that if you are trying to save yourself, you will undo yourself. If you allow yourself to be undone by me, I will save you. See how beautiful that is? How weird that is? And then, verse 25, For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So now it's just going into hyperbole almost. I mean, who of you want to own the whole world? There's one here in front. Do you want to own the whole world? Hands up, who wants to own the whole world? No one. But you really do want more than you have now, don't you? Jesus is saying, even if it is possible to actually gain the entire world, you will still lose your soul. That's a sad possibility. Actually, he's not saying you can't. (laughs) He says, if you could, that still will not save you. If you have everything under your control, the whole world is yours. You will still forfeit your soul. You are going to die, and you're going to face God. And... There's nothing you can do about it. All the money in the world, all the esteem in the world, all the glory in the world, all the fun in the world will not make any difference to that reality. See what he's saying? There's a sad possibility that I can so pursue a little bit more for security. And he says, even if you could get the whole world, it's still not going to make any difference. And most of us are, are so humble here in this church, we don't want the whole world. But we do want a little bit more. See, Jesus is saying, I am coming to tell you that you will undo yourself. I have come to save you, but it does require of you to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's what you need to do. You need to admit that I'm the only one who can save you, and you've got to follow in my footsteps. I've come to give up. You need to give up your right so that you may receive what I have to give you and so in verse 26 4 whoever is ashamed of me and my words there's the big thing those who lose confidence in me those who don't have confidence in me that's what it means to be ashamed he says well the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels your attitude And your behavior towards Jesus Christ now will determine his attitude and his behavior to yours then. Now, he says, is the time for you to work it through, to think it through. Then I will treat you in the way you have treated me. Have you accepted it? Have you followed it? That is how I'm going to go about bringing this whole thing together. So when you read about this, you're starting to think, but this is really incredible. How do I actually work this out? So I'm just going to read you just a short little section from a guy um, with the name of Craig Gianni, And he's just kind of thrown together a couple of these things. I just want you to feel the sense, the weight of what he's really talking about. There are two little stories. The first story is um, dying to myself and picking up my cross and following Jesus, as the scriptures ca- tells us. When you're insulted and rejected, don't insult and reject Rather reach out, rather bless those who curse you, just like the Lord Jesus Christ has done. So this one guy came to the minister and said to him, so how do you do this? How do you, how does this work? He says, well, fantastic, let me show you. So he walked over to an open grave, and there was a body lying in the grave, and he said to the guy, okay, spoke to the guy in the grave, and he says, you are the most amazing human being who ever lived. You were wonderful, you were kind, Everything. So he says to the young guy, what did this guy in the grave do? He says, nothing. He's dead. He says, oh, okay. He says, okay, I'll do it again. You are the most wicked, evil person who has ever lived. You are useless, and you only live for yourself. Da, 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 and he carries on. And he says to, him, to the young guy, how does the guy in the grave respond? He says, nothing, he's dead. He says, well, that's how it, what it means to die to yourself. To pick up your cross and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not swayed by what other people say about you. You are not swayed by what you say about you. You are swayed by what Jesus Christ says about you. Craig Yanni says it like this. If when you are good, evil is spoken, and when you your wishes are crossed, and your advice are disregarded, and your opinions are ridiculed, and you refuse to let the anger rise and control your heart and even to defend yourself, but you take it patiently in longing silence, then you are dying to yourself. And when you lovingly and patiently bear any disgrace, any irregularity, any annoyance, when you stand face to face with extravagance and folly, and spiritual insensitivity and endure it, as Jesus did, that is when you're dying to yourself. And when you are content with any food, any money, any clothing, any society, any solitude or interruption by the will of God, that is dying to yourself. And when you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or record your own good works or itch after commendation from others, and when you truly love to serve unknowingly, That is when you're dying to yourself. Anyone getting excited here at the moment? When you see your brother prosper, see his needs wondrously met, and can earnestly rejoice with him without feeling envy and never questioning God, though your needs are greater and still unmet, that is dying to yourself. Now when you can receive correction and reproof from someone of less stature than yourself, and admit that he or she is right, and find no resentment or rebellion in your heart, that is dying to yourself. Jesus is talking about being a completely different kind of human being, isn't he? Then what comes so natural to us? That is what he's encouraging us to follow, because that is what he's like. And he wants to bring that life into you and into me. When I don't get on my high horse, but when I serve, speak the truth. No matter who I'm speaking to in one sense, because I want to serve. Don't have to be right, don't have to be acknowledged. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, that is how I would love you to go. Decide for yourself to turn against yourself. Renounce yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. On your outline, you can flip over, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I thought to introduce people who are far more eloquent than me. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity touches on some of this, and I've just quoted him from his last uh, section in Mere Christianity, book four. Just magnificent how he puts it out there. I'm just going to read literally the last um, kind kind of paragraph. He says, Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being to God and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred loneliness despair rage ruin and decay but look for christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in if you want to be a disciple of the lord jesus christ the one that we are speaking about here in this book then that is what he's inviting you to I have come to give you life. And as you turn away from yourself and crucify yourself, as Paul says, I have been crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. There's nothing in the world that actually tells me I can have life and have it in full. I'm dead to it. And the world can't even come to me and kind of appeal to me to join because I'm not very appealing to the world. It's a very funny comment. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 So to work this thing out, we are going to need one another. To help one another to discover, what am I living by and for and through? We are going to have to help one another to do this, isn't it? This is not a natural way of living. This is indeed a supernatural way of living. Not something you can do by yourself without the Spirit. Not something you can do on your own alone. The rest of Luke, we're going to have to take this kind of format and put it down onto every single passage almost so that we can see and practice what it means. Because now we've seen it in principle. He gives us the basic realities here. He's going to expand and explain to us how that all works as we carry on. Jesus Christ wants to save you and me, but he cannot save you your way. You have got to join him his way. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this really tense section. It is jam-packed. It's full of so many things that we need to almost sit back and let them wash over us. We need to marinate ourselves in it. We need to discover all our reactions to the things we've heard and the things we see. Father, we pray that you will help us to not jump too quickly to conclusions, to not too quickly decide, but to let it indeed weigh in its full weight on us. Let us hear it. This is a message that is so weird, it actually tells us how bad it really is and so hard for us to believe it. The seriousness of what is involved as you come to bring people towards yourself and make them into your disciples. But we thank you that you are straight. We thank you that you speak absolutely clearly for you do not want anyone to be deceived or be confused or to make assumptions. So we thank you for this word. We pray that you will help us to indeed weigh it carefully and seriously and that we can take this word As we believe it in our heart and as it starts to shape us, we can take and introduce other people to this Lord Jesus Christ. This one for whom there is no self-will and selfishness. So we pray that you will help us to see in one sense the evil in our own selves much more often and much clearer than we see it in everybody else. For there is no one that can undo us except ourselves. No child, no spouse, no friend, no enemy, no political enemy, no economic enemy. Nothing, no one can actually undo us but we ourselves. And so we pray, Father, that we will hear very clearly what Jesus is saying and that we will surrender to Him. And that as we fail, we'll come back and recognize that we've basically just been ourselves again. And that you've come to save us from ourselves. For we will destroy ourselves. So we thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this incredible word. Pray that you will be glorified as we live in it. As we stand on the Lord Jesus Christ. As we allow him to speak to us so clearly. And we pray this in your name. Amen.